Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we're recapping the midterm elections, uh, which saw control of the U.S. Senate return to Republicans, a Republican clean sweep in Utah's four congressional races, one constitutional amendment passed in Utah, two were defeated, several state school board incumbents were defeated. We're going to open the phone lines to you right now. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on Twitter. We're at Utah Public Radio. You can join us on Facebook, and our email is upraxis at gmail.com. What issues are of concern to you? What were you especially keying in on? What are your predictions for the future? Today also marks the unofficial start to the 2016 presidential campaign. We'll dive into talking about that as well and future races in Utah. We're going to talk about all of this and more with Desert News columnists LeVar Webb and Frank Pignelli and Mike Lyons and Damon Can from the USU Political Science Department. We have on the phone, I believe, uh, LeVar Webb. Welcome uh, to uh, the program. Good to be with you. Thanks for coming on last night and coming back today. You bet. Uh, LeVar Webb, for people who don't uh, know you, uh, served with uh, Governor Mike Levitt, right? And uh, now I, I think you're still publisher of uh, Utah Policy Daily. That's correct. Very, very fine uh, website. Uh, we have with us in studio Mike Lyons from USU Political Science Department. Uh, welcome back to Access Utah. Thank you. Please be with you, Tom. And Damon Can uh, returns also from USU Political Science Department. Thanks. Glad to be back. Uh, we begin with unfinished business from yesterday. We, uh, as you will recall, were talking with Elena Passarello, uh, who's written a very interesting new book called Let Me Clear My Throat. Uh, she's an actress and uh, now a professor of English. And uh, she was talking, uh, her, her, her book is about the human voice and vocal expression. And she has a, uh, a chapter in there about the scream, all variations of scream. She concluded the famous scream of political candidate Howard Dean. So appropriate that we have uh, political types here. You can uh, respond if you would like to this. Here is Steve's comment, uh, and and we kind of outlined the history. Uh, Howard Dean, after the Iowa caucuses, in which you expected to win, came in third. And uh, at the end of a, a concession speech, he uttered this noise, which was then looped by the press endlessly. And speculation is that that uh, hastened uh, his political demise. Here's Steve's comments. He says, I'm coming in late to the conversation, but the Dean scream was basically manufactured by the press, he says. The ambient background noise in the room at the time of his speech was very loud, and Dean had to shout over the din to be heard. So the press took that, filtered out the background noise, reducing it to silence, and played the scream over and over uh, and over again, relentlessly, devoid of context to make Dean sound unhinged. It was a manufactured political and low-journalism hit on the candidate. That's what uh, Steve says. I don't know if any of my guests uh, have, a, have a comment on the, on the Dean scream. Well, the scream was just a little bit weird. If you watched it, it just seemed a little bit unusual, and he did seem that way. And something you have to remember if you're a candidate is that when you're speaking these days, you are never just speaking to the individuals in the room. You are speaking to an audience that has cell phones that could be taping you. Uh, and in this instance, he knew there were television cameras in the room. He knew he was mic'd. Had he been a little bit more polished and given some thought to the fact that he wasn't just speaking to a group of supporters, but that he was speaking speaking to the world uh, through broadcast media, he would have known, uh, he should have known uh, to, to do things a little bit differently than mm -hmm. he did. I think another thing maybe it highlights is, uh, a, a, as a candidate these days, you have to be so controlled. You have to be so on message. Some might say robotic, although you, I guess you can be natural. Uh, you just have to have amazing self-control. 
Uh, that's absolutely correct. And <clears throat> what happened to Governor Dean in Iowa was not an isolated incident. Uh, something similar happened to Edmund Munsky back in 1972 when right. he started to shed tears over a patently false article uh, published about his wife. Uh, then there's Richard Nixon's famous last press conference in California in 1962. Unscripted moments get politicians in trouble, and that's unfortunate. You can't be. I think you do need to be robotic. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're too robotic, you get dinged. I remember uh, um, uh, Dukakis's answer on the, the question about what if your wife was sexually assaulted. It, it was seen as too clinical. Right. People wanted more emotion in it. Right. Anyway, let's get to uh, let's get to yesterday's results, and uh, we'll start with Lavar Webb. Uh, I want to start with the fourth district. This uh, looked what it was close all evening. Uh, Mia Love pulled it out uh, in in the end. What what are your thoughts? Well, I do think that Doug Owens ran a good race, and given the fact that he uh, was unknown, uh, really not a lot of people remembered his father. He had to be kind of old like me to to remember him well and he was uh didn't have the the funding and utah is a republican state he was running in a republican district so i think he did well i think he uh set himself up for a possible run in the future either in that district or for some other uh, uh contest uh i think that uh, mia love came into that race with fairly high negatives uh, from the race two years ago when there was a lot of negative uh, campaigning, negative advertising. And I th- that that hurt her. She, she had a hard time breaking the 50-point uh, mark in all of the earlier polls. I, I think that she ran a, thanks mostly to her campaign manager probably, ran a, a disciplined, careful campaign. I think they monitored, they were doing a lot of tracking, and so... They knew where she was, so she was able to keep the the race positive all the way through. Uh, but it was a it, it shows that Utah Utahns still like uh, mainstream moderate uh, candidates, in, including Democrats, and it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for a Democrat to win in Utah. And uh, to illustrate, uh, we're probably going to see a lot of uh, Mia Love. She's she's on the uh, uh, her picture on the Washington Post here. Uh, meet Congresswoman elect Mia Love. You'll be seeing a lot of her. That's their that's their headline. Yes, she of course made history as the first Black uh, African American woman in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, and so that's a big deal. And uh, I w- will see how she performs. Mike Lyons, I wonder the Fourth District is is this the district? Is it Love's campaign? Is it the issues? Um, I was telling David Cannon last night, uh, I, I guess I was, wasn't paying attention to the districts as much as I should have, and I'd forgotten that uh, Juap and San Pete County are in the 4th District. I, I think of it as a Salt Lake County district, but uh, and so Love lost Salt Lake County, I believe, but won the other counties by enough to win the, the election. Well, it's a Republican district, and uh, you'd anticipate the Republican would win, and I think Owens did run a good campaign, a very good campaign. But uh, there was an overwhelming amount of money that came in for Mia Love, and it was enough to, to hold off Owens. Uh, it will be interesting to see how much she moves to the Republican mainstream now and what her positions and what her voting record will be. Uh, if, if, if she wants to solidify her political position, I think she needs to move into positions closer to those of Rob Bishop. Hmm. 
David Cann, uh, Doug Owens already said, I'll be back in two years. So there will likely be a rematch. Um, following up on what uh, Professor Lyons uh, said, what, what, how do you think uh, Mia Love is going to be voting? I don't know uh, that Doug Owens will necessarily come back and look to challenge in this seat. Uh, typically, repeat challengers don't do as well the second time around uh, relative to how they did uh, in the first instance. Uh, but uh, I, I, as LeVar mentioned earlier, I don't think we've seen the last of Doug Owens. I, you know, I, I've got to think that somewhere in the National Democratic Party, there are people who are kicking themselves for writing this off as a safe Republican seat last summer uh, when it turned out to be really a pretty close election, even though Doug Owens uh, was running this campaign on a shoestring budget. And uh, I, I think that he has... Uh, potential uh, as a, a, a candidate again, perhaps for a different office. Uh, but uh, you know, he won some points with a lot of Utah voters, uh, and uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back uh, again as a strong comp- candidate, uh, competing strongly and this time with better resources because people know what to expect from him. But you think it'll be a different race, different, I, different seat? I would suspect it okay. will be. LeVar Webb, before we leave the 4th Congressional District, I, I want to talk about... Uh, What's become a hot topic nationwide? That's outside money pouring into to races, and we saw that definitely two years ago in the fourth district. You made reference to it, a very careful campaign this time around uh, on the part of Mia Love, uh, which seemed to be you know stiff arming or sending the message out to outside uh, groups. Uh, hey, we're we're going to run it ourselves. Yeah, I, th- I think they made a conscious effort to do that. They did not want the. Uh, national Republicans or the outside independent groups coming in and running a, a negative uh, campaign against uh, Doug Owens. I think that was for a couple of reasons. One is they didn't think they needed it. And second, I, I think they worried that it would backfire. And I think they're, they, they were right on both counts, although the, the race did end up being closer. Now, had their tracking polls showed them I think that the result is probably a little bit of a surprise for the Republicans. I think they thought they would win that by a bigger margin. But had their polls showed that she was in trouble, I have no doubt that they had plenty of uh, of advertising and so forth where they would have uh, uh, run some negative things against Doug Owens and tried to bring him down. But they didn't feel like they ever had to do that, and, and so they did not. My clients, uh, I want to talk a little bit about turnout, and I haven't seen the, the final numbers. Uh, the predictions were, you know, forty percent, which you know, I guess would be respectable for a midterm election. Um, but but I, uh, there's endless talk about how to how to increase turnouts, especially in the midterm elections. Well, uh, turnout is being suppressed by non-competitive races all over the country, and. A substantial percentage, somewhere around 60 or 70 percent of U.S. House districts have been gerrymandered to be highly favorable for one political party or the other. And then increasingly, we're seeing states become more homogeneous politically, where it's progressively harder to elect a candidate of the minority party in that state, Utah being a prime example. And insofar as elections become less competitive, there's no reason to believe turnout will go up. Now, all the money that's being poured in will help sometimes to prompt turnout. But when it goes into negative advertising, the effect may be to drive many voters away from the polls. Just annoyance and, and, and you know, politics has such a negative image in the United States and so much of that. Uh, originates in the negative tone of campaigns. Hmm. 
Uh, let's move to the uh, U.S. Senate, uh, Damon Can first on on this. Um, and uh, I want to run past you, or run past uh, everybody who wants to comment on this. Uh, this quote from a Senator Orrin Hatch, who uh, who is in line to uh, p- become the t- chairman of the Finance Committee in the Senate, and also I didn't hadn't known this, uh, President Pro Tempore of the uh, of the Senate, which is usually the oldest, the longest serving uh, member of the ruling party. Um, and so he, here's what he said. Miracles happen, you know. We've always gotten a lot done for Utah. It's uh, really been impossible the last four years. And then he said, uh, with the change in the Senate, about the Democrats, they better wake up and quit being so dysfunctional. And, of course, <laughs> if you talk to a Democrat, they'd probably be saying the same thing about Republicans. What do you think is going to happen now the Republicans uh, have control of the Senate? Absolutely. Well, you know, with uh, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, as they say. Uh, the Republicans uh, are going to be, you know, on the spot. We can't. Uh, the Republicans can't just keep blaming everything on Harry Reid and the Senate anymore because now they're in control of the Senate. And what remains to be seen is will the Republicans use control of the Senate and control of the House of Representatives as a springboard to move forward to develop a strong brand name for their party heading into the 2016 elections? Or are they going to just continue to rail against uh, Barack Obama because that strategy is not going to be enough uh, to continue to keep control of of, uh, the Congress and to be successful in the 2016 presidential elections. Lamar Webb, uh, same question to you. What what do you think is going to happen going forward? There's a lot of buildup of frustration on both sides. Uh, And now, you know, the the chairs change and the Republicans take control. Yes. Uh, I think a lot, both sides will say a lot of good things. They will both say we now need to focus on the problems of the country and we need to to, uh, take care of them. We need to, to... to compromise. I think there will be some talk of that. I, I think that uh, the new Senate Majority Leader, uh, his uh, speech, uh, his election victory speech was, was he said he wanted to work with the Democrats and get things done. I, I think that the result, the outcome will be mixed. I think there will be some collaboration and cooperation on some things, and <clears throat> as always happens in in politics and legislative bodies, they will fight over other things. Part of it also depends on on president, uh, uh, the, the the president, and and what sort of approach he takes. If he wants to leave a legacy, if he wants to accomplish some things, then I think he. I, I think certainly this this uh, election has chastened him. Uh, his policies certainly were on the ballot in in uh, one respect, and he lost. And so whether he will try to simply be obstructionist and veto everything that comes his way or whether he will say, let's compromise. But, but compromise is the key word here. And I, the Republicans can't have everything they want. They don't have 60 votes in the Senate. They don't have the presidency. So will they compromise, and will the president compromise? I hope they will. Uh, I, I hope that I, I think 80 percent of what you want is better than than none, and so that will be has yet to be determined whether they will compromise enough to get things done. Mike Lyons, uh, the the activist wing of the Republican Party, a very conservative wing, uh, wants a lot, and and it, it wouldn't tend to move toward compromise. There are other parts of the party that would, would want would support compromise. What do you see happening in the next two years? Uh, the internal dynamics of the Republican Party are going to be fascinating to watch 
and there's going to be a lot of pressure on John Boehner to try to drive the conservative wing into more moderate and compromising positions. One area where I think compromise is possible is immigration policy. The Republicans have long targeted the Latino vote, and the Republican position on immigration policy has really hurt them in that regard. Uh, Compromises on the future of Social Security, on tax reform, definitely possible, I would think. But uh, I don't think, frankly, that the Republicans are likely to get 80% of what they want no matter what. If they get 20% of what they want, they're doing pretty well because I expect the Democrats to throw up a stone wall in the Senate uh, and filibuster or not even get that far uh, if the Republicans push a highly conservative agenda. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will uh, take a look at some of the other issues and races in Utah, including the constitutional amendments. Uh, state school board will ask our guests anything uh, surprise them from on the state level. And uh, we will talk uh, about the 2016 presidential uh, campaign. I've been hearing a little bit of buzz about uh, a Mitt Romney uh, return. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask our guests if that's realistic at all. Of course, we're two years out. Um, and anything can happen. More on this election recap program following the news.